Welcome to the Theology Mom Podcast, hosted by theologian Krista Bontrager. Each week, Krista provides practical teaching to help everyday Christians gain a deeper understanding of their faith. And now, here's Krista. Hello and happy Monday to all of you. I am glad you are here Thank you for joining me for this live stream. I'm in a good old-fashioned live teaching here at the Theology Mom channel. I trust that, by God's grace, you and your family are doing well. I know that we are still living in a lot of transition, but, um, you know, good things are happening for the bond traders. So uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your kind words about what the ministry means to you. It really is a family effort in uh, in our home. So thank you. Uh, I, we love all of your encouragement and, and when you tell us what the ministry has meant to you. I'm excited to bring you this very important teaching today. I'm continuing to develop content related to um, thoughtful, trying to be biblically informed, biblically shaped, biblically led conversations about spiritual warfare and based on the feedback that I've received, um, many of my followers want to know more about these issues. Um, lots of follow-up questions I get after I do these streams, uh, and they're just looking for more information. Maybe something I said piqued their interest, and uh, they want to know more. So looking forward to continuing to bring you this content. Back in January, I shared 10 ways that people can open doors to demonic harassment. You might want to listen to that teaching in combination with this one. It'll provide some additional information. Uh, um, you don't need to have that in order to listen to this one. It's standalone content, but they're definitely kind of a sequence of teachings that I'm doing. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about eight common signs that people are being harassed by demons. And I uh, just want to say up front, if you experience something that I describe here in this teaching, I don't want you to take it as like 100% certainty that you're being harassed by demons, but you might want to at least start a conversation with the Lord, talking to him about it, listening to the Holy Spirit, uh, maybe talk to your pastor if that's a conversation that he seems open to. So again, don't personalize everything. Use discernment, read the scriptures, listen to the Lord, all of that good stuff. But tonight's discussion will focus on looking at the common ways that demons harass people. And another way of saying this is what are the common signs or symptoms that you, your child, a friend, mind be being harassed by demons because once our eyes are kind of opened to the problem uh then we can begin to tackle the problem in a more informed way and this this brings me to one of the reasons why i'm doing this series of teachings because when people come to their pastors their elders their small group leaders even your friend over coffee and you're, you start listening to them describing their challenges or you're describing your challenges to that person. Um, my hope is that we will do more to consider whether the problem might have a spiritual component to it. Um, if we look at the example of Jesus, we see that he addresses people's issues in many different ways. There's no one-size-fits-all way that Jesus does things. And one of the many ways that Jesus addresses people's problems, issues, is addressing demonic harassment. Um, so that is really why I'm doing this, is to try to help add that component maybe to your conversations as something to explore. Again, not to say that all problems have a demonic component. They don't. They're, again, Jesus addresses different problems in different ways, okay? Um, 
Yes, already we're starting. Amber, I'll answer your question early. How do you distinguish between demonic harassment and demonic possession? To me, in my best understanding, demonic possession is something that only can happen to a non-Christian. Because once you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, uh, you're not a duplex. You know, uh, so harassment, though, I think can come a lot of different ways. Um, I prefer the word harassment over other words because I think it's a little bit... Um, it allows for more variance of how demonic attacks can show up. So possession is definitely something that you see in Hollywood movies. That's pretty rare. Um, it's I'm talking about more in the day to day, and that's that's really what I focus on in ministry uh, because we have a tendency in the West to always want to talk about the extremes, and when we don't see the extremes, then we we miss the day to day kinds of demonic harassment. So. That's m most of what I focus on in ministry. Okay. Hey, Cynthia, glad to have you here. All right. Amber's here. Great to have everyone. Let me know that you're watching. That's always awesome. Then I don't feel like I'm talking into the void. Okay. Now, um, I want to just give you a little thumbnail of what we did in the first uh, lesson in this series. And that is just acknowledging the reality that sometimes people open doors to demonic harassment. That happens. If we engage in certain behaviors, especially if we engage in these behaviors time and time again, over and over, habitually, this can be seen as a permission by demons to um, just begin to harass you and to varying degrees and varying intensities. So if you are or have been in the past or if your child has engaged in some activity this can be seen by demons as a permission to continually bother you so what i'm going to talk about today is you know how to spot whether or not you know demons are bothering you and they're attacking you okay and again that can come in a variety of ways. But um, this, I think it's helpful if we understand something about the schemes of the enemy to kind of get a game plan together to understand what they're up to and how they often attack us. Now, the list I'm going to give today, the eight things, it's not an exhaustively complete list. It's not in any particular order. But these are definitely the patterns that I see pop up in ministry over and over through the years. And not just me, um, many people who work in this area pretty much have the same list. They might number them a little differently, but it's pretty much the same issues over and over again. And when people report these problems to me uh, in a conversation, it just kind of, for me, it's not like you don't want to jump to an immediate assumption. Oh, they must have demonic harassment, but it might raise like a little red flag in your mind of like, Hey, have you ever thought about, have you ever talked to the Lord about, have you ever talked to your pastor about whether or not this might be demonic harassment? Maybe, maybe you might need some help discerning what's really happening here. And if, if it's a component that, that this particular problem may have a spiritual dimension. Now, again, the problem may not have a spiritual dimension. Not every problem has a spiritual dimension. But if that little red flag goes off, it might be time to investigate. It might be time to think about and get some help investigating whether there is a spiritual component to that problem. So here we go. Eight common ways that demons harass us. Number one is, this one is so common, recurring nightmares sleep paralysis, chronic insomnia, and other things that regularly disrupt our normal sleep. Sleep disruptions are one of the most common demonic attacks that I hear people report on in ministry. Um, and to be honest, I'm a little surprised about how when I talk to people about this, it has literally never occurred to them that this might be the result of an attack by the enemy. They often just accept it as like normal. Oh, I have this problem. And I'm like, you know, I, I, you might want to talk to the Lord about that to see if something else is going on here. So 
I've worked with so many people in ministry contexts who have had these struggles of chronic sleep problems, chronic sleep interruptions, night terrors, and that. And once we start to walk through some basic steps of freedom, which will probably be my third teaching in this series, these issues usually get resolved pretty quickly and are no longer a problem. Let me give you just a couple of examples uh, that I worked with people in ministry. One time I had a 32-year-old woman share with me that she experienced a vision of a three-headed beast nearly every night when she would go to sleep. And this is, had happened to her since childhood. My first thought was just absolute sorrow that she had been enduring this level of harassment for like almost three decades, two and a half decades. So walked her through some, some steps of prayer and, and talking through the problem and when this may have started and um, talking to the Lord about it. Never had that problem again. Just after that prayer session, she went away and never had that, had that problem again. It, so that's what I mean. Like this poor gal, like, why didn't you go to your pastor? If your pastor doesn't know how to resolve this, hopefully he has somebody in his church that has some experience with how to resolve these kinds of issues, because usually it's fairly easy to resolve these problems rather than just enduring this horrible vision, demonic vision that she would have every night when she would close her eyes to go to sleep and just see this thing kind of in her, in her mind's eye, if you will. Um, but, and you, you might think it's a little weird that it happened since childhood, but another component I want you to understand is it is actually not uncommon. Uh, the people that I run into in ministry context where this issue, this problem actually started in childhood. Um, and it could be any problem. I'm just using this particular one of this demonic vision. But many times when I talk to people, they're like, oh, well, such and such happened to me when I was five or when I was eight or whatever. And I want you to, to think about that demons will look for any opening to begin harassing people. Like they don't care if you're only a, an innocent child or an adult, and they don't wait for you to become a consenting adult into their, into their lies and their foolishness. They will absolutely attack children. And so as we're going through these, these teachings, be thinking about, you know, whether or not the, some of these issues might affect your own children or children in your sphere of influence. Let me share one more story about sleep disruptions. A close friend of mine who, he had a childhood fascination with UFOs and aliens. And he, uh, one time he bought a comic book about them. Very normal activity for, a, for a, a, you know, let's say he was eight years old, an eight-year-old boy. Um, But in his case, this became kind of an opening, a little crack, some wiggle room for the enemy to take this very innocent act of an eight-year-old boy, a, a boy buying a comic book on aliens and UFOs, as a permission to begin harassing this, this, this child. And so the very first night he bought the comic book about UFOs and aliens, he experienced night paralysis. And if you don't know what night paralysis is, it's when you wake up, it's a terrifying feeling of not being able to move your body. And it wasn't until years later as an adult that he started to see like the demonic connection. And he would have occasional, not, not every night or once a week, but occasional issues with night paralysis throughout his life. But as a result of dealing with it through prayer ministry, um, he no longer has this problem. It, it has been resolved. So there was an end, there was a cutting off of that particular demonic harassment. So again, the bottom line here is just to help provoke your thinking, um, whatever maybe the Lord brings to you about your particular situation, but don't assume that every problem has a natural explanation. It might. It might have a natural explanation. On the other hand, it might not. It might have a spiritual component to it. So sometimes it's worth taking a deeper Deeper look at things, ask some questions, get some help with that. Okay, number two, the second common way that demons can harass us is we find ourselves 
battling with chronic, deep feelings of guilt, condemnation, and shame. This is another very common scheme. And the key word here is chronic. Look, we've all felt ashamed for something we've done. We've all been in a situation where we've made a mistake. But when demons begin to bring that into like being a chronic issue of guilt, condemnation, and shame, and those feelings become so strong, that's when I start, you know, getting a little red flag goes off in my mind. I'm like, this person can't seem to move past this. They can't seem to get these feelings resolved in the normal ways of prayer, Bible study, and, and worship, and receiving the Lord's forgiveness and that sort of a thing. That's the little red flag. That I wonder if if this is an, a, a demonic attack. And and what demons do, how they work, is that they begin sending attacks to our minds. Usually first, they'll send us like damaging thoughts, sinful thoughts, sinful messages. And you might be just standing there like folding your laundry. You're not thinking about anything. You're just standing there folding your socks. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like this involuntary, relentless, accusatory thought that you have in your mind. This is, this is a frequent thing that the enemy does. And so um I want to just look at a really quick scripture here from Revelation chapter 12 and Bob's going to put it on the screen for us. This is a, a wonderful passage of kind of the whole Bible in a nutshell in Revelation 12. It says the great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with them. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Notice these words. This is a description that God gives to the enemy. So, but notice the, the, the description here of the enemy is that he's the accuser and he accuses them before God day and night. Now, obviously, when it comes to God, we know our position, right? Before a holy God. If, if we have put our faith, hope, and confidence and trust in Jesus as our Messiah, we know where we stand before the Father. But the enemy will, will bombard us sometimes with extreme messages about ourselves. If he, if he is the accuser, he can bring thoughts of accusation. It's sort of a mental torture uh, for the person. And it completely degrades that person's self-concept, -con these feelings of guilt, condemnation, and shame. And Carl Payne describes this um, very well in his book, Spiritual Warfare, which is a book that I recommend, by the way, and, and Bob's going to put that up on the screen for us. A few of you on the stream have already read the book. Um, it's a great resource. Just go to Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demoniz Demonization and Deliverance by Carl Payne. Um, it's a wonderful, helpful, um, biblical, biblically solid resource on the subject. You can also check out the conversation I did with him last June, had him on my podcast. But some of these messages might sound very mundane. It might be things like, I'm so stupid, or I mess up everything, or I'm ugly, or I, uh, no one wants me. These were the very like kind of standard messages that that people would struggle with that, that I hear in ministry a lot. The, the enemy is not very creative. He usually sends kind of the same messages to everybody. And it can just be this ongoing feeling of not being good enough, uh, that I don't do enough, and I feel shameful. I feel shameful. I'm, I might hear messages like, I'm so worthless, or no one loves you, or God doesn't love you. Um, the enemy will just even um, resort to whatever message he can, he can press on 
to get that person into chronic feelings of shame. Now, again, not all shame is bad. Like we should feel sorry for our sins. We should want to repent. What I'm talking about is chronic and persistent feelings of shame and guilt that don't seem to get resolved by meditating on God's word, doing what we call the ordinary means of grace, embracing God's forgiveness in the normal way. This is when I get suspicious. When these things are unresolved um, under the ordinary means of grace, I'm like, there might be something else happening here. Here, that might be a spiritual component. Okay, number three. The third sign that someone might be harassed by demons is they have suicidal and self-harm messages. And this flies under the banner of, you know, mental health. Now, um, this is especially true, though, of people where they're, they don't seem responsive to the normal treatments. Now, I'm not a clinical psychologist. I don't claim to be one. But I think that what we have to understand is that there are some attacks that can kind of mirror or act like mental illnesses. And so if you watch any of these um, interviews that you can go watch on YouTube from professional exorcists who work in the Catholic Church, one of the things that they will do before doing uh, a prayer on someone or an exorcism process is they will evaluate whether the person's you know, what is their mental health state? And they'll ask a lot of questions and investigate. And you you can hear all the time, uh, Sean McDowell's had one of these guys on recently, that not every mental illness has a demonic cause. But occasionally, there does seem to be a connection between how that person is experiencing the world and the demonic. And this is where it takes a lot of discernment and careful thinking. I think this is particularly true when the person is receiving like bombardment of self-harm messages, suicidal messages, things like everyone hates me, I should just die. Or, you know, something must be wrong with me. I'm not like other people. Something defective about me, I should just die. These are the kinds of thoughts that sometimes and in some situations can just give way to chronic feelings of discouragement and feeling defeated and and even depression. And no wonder, like if you're being bombarded by these kinds of suicidal thoughts and and being bombarded bombarded by thoughts of worthlessness and that you're just a loser and it it wears on you. It grinds you down emotionally. And um, I think that it can, uh, it's understandable to me. And so that depression might be real. That might be a real artifact of, or or effect of these being, being harassed and being bombarded by these demonic thoughts. So it can feel overwhelming. It can feel burdensome. And I'm going to have Bob put a, a scripture on the screen here from the book of First Peter that I thought this kind of describes, you know, how it feels that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. This is the nature of these kinds of thoughts. And, and Peter's words to us through the power of the Holy Spirit is be alert and of sober mind. You're like, we want to protect our minds. We want to walk in truth tells us to resist the enemy, stand firm in your faith, um, and that that people around the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. In this context, he's probably talking about Christian persecution. That could be another demonic attack, you know, kind of at the macro level of targeting Christians. But I, I love the word picture here is that the, the enemy is looking to devour God's people. There is similar wording in Revelation 12 that the enemy is making war against us as God's people. Wouldn't it be a great scheme if the enemy is attacking God's people or people in general, humans created in the image of God? Wouldn't it be a great scheme 
if the enemy could send us like chronic and intense messages of just giving up on our life, suicidal thoughts, intrusive, repetitive thoughts of self-harm and, and just things that are destructive to our lives. And these, this is when the little red flag goes off in my mind is when people try to go get help for these problems and the conventional methods don't work. Like, I want to encourage you, if you're experiencing these things, go get help. Go to a mental health professional. Go to a psychologist. If you need to, you know, explore medication. But when when people explore conventional medicines and then like they still are of no help that's that's where i start thinking like hmm i wonder if there's a spiritual component to this when we read about the boy in matthew 17 who had a demon and this demon would throw him in the fire when he, he to go that, that kind of sounds like a very very extreme mental illness or the demon possessed man at the tombs who would cut himself that sounds kind of like self-harm. And even if the, the, we're not possessed as, as Christians with, this en- with the enemy and, and cutting ourselves, but I think he could certainly like try to whisper to us and bombard our thoughts and, and try to send us messages to get us to agree with his lies about us and get us to destroy ourselves. That seems plausible to me. Um, again, and that's not to say that I'm against conventional health, mental health protocols. I'm not. Um, many people get help through clinical diagnosis of mental illness. They've been successfully treated under a doctor's care. That's awesome. If you are experiencing these problems, please reach out to someone as a mental health professional. In my case, I suffered from suicidal and self-harm thoughts for almost three decades. And in my story, going through a prayer process, instantaneously overnight, I was relieved of that harassment. And in my case, yes, there were things in my life that were very difficult and very challenging. Therapy was really helpful for me in learning how to manage those things. But the suicidal thoughts, the mental torture of what I went through was relieved overnight after going through a prayer process because those demonic attacks were accelerated because of my life challenges. So the devil is tricky. He'll use anything to to come at us. So, okay, see the questions coming in. That's awesome. I'm going to get to those after number four. So here we are, number four, physical problems that don't seem to respond to normal treatment. Again, this is similar to the issue of mental illness. We see in the Bible that sometimes Jesus heals simply by rebuking an illness. We see this Luke chapter four, when um, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, It says he rebuked the fever and she was healed. Well, a different kind of healing that Jesus occasionally engages in is he heals by casting out an evil spirit. And this is something that we in the West are super uncomfortable talking about. Okay? But Christians in other contexts know that not every illness has a natural explanation. Not every medical problem has a natural cause. We see in Luke chapter 13 that the woman with the bent back, if we were to take her to a doctor, maybe she would get a diagnosis of scoliosis or or uh, muscular dystrophy. There's this woman with this bent back. It's been that way for years. How does Jesus heal her? He casts an evil spirit out of her. Mark chapter 9. Jesus casts out an impure spirit that caused a man to be deaf and mute. Now, there's other examples in Scripture where he heals blindness and deafness simply by commanding ears to open, eyes to see. But on this occasion, this version of blindness in Mark chapter 9 was caused by an evil spirit. Let's look at um, a verse here real quick from 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 
Paul says this. He's there's a very famous passage. He's talking about how he sees all these grand visions of heaven and the supernatural. And he says, but in order to keep me from becoming conceited over all these amazing spiritual experiences, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So whatever this thorn in the flesh was, whether it was blindness or some other kind of illness or whatever this problem was, it was affecting the Apostle Paul, and it was sent as a harassment from the evil one. So if the Apostle Paul can have something, probably an illness, that affected his life in a significant way from the enemy, I think it's at least possible that some illnesses could be caused by uh, demonic harassment. And so when I meet someone, it has a complicated array of unexplained medical problems. They've been to a lot of doctors, a lot of doctors, and they've had all these inconclusive test results. They've taken maybe all the conventional treatments for their sickness. Here again, I get a little question mark in my mind. Is this illness, does it have a spiritual component to what is happening? That's usually the time where I start asking different questions and asking the Lord, you know, help show us whether there's something spiritual going on here. And I have to admit, I get particularly suspicious about chronic digestive problems, chronic headaches. Those are two areas I see demonic harassment so frequently in ministry. I've, I've ministered so many people that have battled those issues, go through a kind of a prayer process of freedom and get completely healed from those problems. And so those are just issues that in my experience kind of come up on somewhat of a frequent basis. Okay. In fact, that's our next one. Number five, spiritual deadness including difficulty making meaningful connections with God or his people. So this one I see so much in ministry and kind of the lack of spiritual desire is a very common scheme of the enemy. And here's some of the ways I've seen that show up is um, lack of prayer life, you know, sending people messages, praying doesn't matter, praying doesn't work. Um, it's a waste of time, and then the person just starts opting out. So the enemy sends us a message, and then we use our free will to cooperate and ad adopt the message as a truth. Inability to meaningfully read and understand the Bible. We know from Scripture that angels can affect people's eyesight, and demons can affect people's eyesight. Um, there are stories in the Old Testament where it says, like, angels concealed something from being seen by them. Um, so I think it's definitely possible, because uh, I've seen this so much in ministry, is an inability to read and understand the Bible. Like something cloudy just comes over the person's mind, and they just don't understand the scriptures. Uh, this is particularly true of, of non-Christians, but I've seen it happen with Christians as well. The, the lack of ability or desire to engage in evangelism or use your spiritual gifts. Oh, I think this is a big problem that nobody wants to talk about. I think that it is a huge scheme of the enemy to get us to, to buy into apathy about evangelism and sending us messages like, oh, someone else will do it, or I'm not smart enough, or it won't really make a difference. Um, I think that these kinds of messages are very, very common. And um, I think that it's, it, it is such a scheme. I mean, isn't that the greatest scheme? Like Jesus's great commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Awesome. This is what we were supposed to be up to. <laughs> but so often we are hindered by our own thoughts of limitation. Well, what if, what if that's just an attack of the enemy that we buy into? And Jesus really wants to use us in big ways in evangelism, but you know we allow discouragement or our own limiting thoughts to cause us to opt out. I think this is a scheme 
that we really need to have some real talk about. Um, another common one that comes under the kind of the spiritual apathy, um, making it difficult for us to have a relationship with God and others is chronic confusion and doubt over what we believe. Uh, just being assaulted by messages like, well, is Jesus really for me? Is he really the only way? Did God really say these kinds of messages? Um, it, it, when I meet somebody and like we're engaging in a conversation about a particular issue and I'm like, you know, we've had this, this conversation four or five times now, like, what am I missing here? This is when a little red flag goes off for me when I'm talking to a Christian and we keep revisiting the same issue over and over and over again. I'm like, I'm wondering if there's a spiritual attack here, that there is some blockage or something else happening because the normal, ordinary means of grace of let's have a Bible study, let's talk about it, are not working. Like it's, it just feels like I'm throwing ping pong balls against the wall. Um, it can look like uh, prolonged anger toward God that you can't seem to get past, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read the Bible. Yeah, definitely seen that a lot. I remember one brother who came to me a few years ago for help, and when I he he just had this spiritual deadness, was just kind of going through the motions of going to church. And when I asked him about these issues, he said, you know, he couldn't even read scripture in a sustained way. That whenever he tried to read the Bible, he really couldn't even understand it. He was a strong Christian brother, had been, you know, raised as a missionary overseas with his family, um, but he really just didn't understand the Bible, and, and the ordinary means of grace were not working for him. And he would maybe sort of kind of understand it one day, and then he'd come back to the same passage the next day and really just not even understand it, didn't make sense to him. So after one prayer session and meeting together, he's like a totally different person when it came to Scripture. Now he's a lay pastor at his church and teaching the Bible to everyone who will listen and sharing his faith and all that spiritual deadness was just kind of swept away. And But you have to admit, like spiritual deadness, that is a pretty great scheme, right? Um, sending us all kind of messages of our inadequacy and our doubts and everything. That'll keep us quiet, right? That'll keep us from sharing our faith. That'll keep us from praying. Um, this scheme can also look like a lack of desire for meaningful connection or fellowship with other Christians. And this usually shows up in isolation. Like isolation is such a scheme of the enemy. And so when people are isolated and they either can't get out of it or don't want to get out of it, that's a little like red flag in my mind of like, hey, you know, there might be something happening here. Because the enemy can even send us so many messages to, what I say, help facilitate the isolation, such as distractions or hard feelings about the church, hard feelings about God's people, damaging relationships with former church leaders. And they, the person just gets bombarded by all these thoughts, and those thoughts get transitioned into feelings. That's that's very real. And, 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 and then other times, like the schemes for isolation can be real... Like they can look nice on the outside, like there's nothing to be concerned about here. But then you start probing a little bit, you're like, wait a minute. Like I, I knew one sister who approached me for help. And after we talked for a bit and I'd asked some questions, I started wondering if maybe the enemy was kind of capitalizing on her strong appetite for reading. Now reading isn't evil. It's not wicked. It's not demonic. But the enemy was using it as a, to become in her situation a tool for isolation. And she kind of developed this pattern of behavior that whenever her husband would ask her to go out, go somewhere, or friends invited her somewhere to a party, she would get all these messages of like, oh, I don't want to bother with people. People are too people-y. I just don't want to, I just want to stay home and read. People are too complicated. I don't want to go. Being alone is so much easier. These are the thoughts that she she would have. Well, that naturally led her to being alone a lot, isolation, hiding behind books. And and um, she just didn't want to deal with God's people because people are very people-y sometimes. And then she kind of got into this rhythm where she was just sort of choosing the isolation out of her own free will. And it, it was a hard habit to break. 
But, you know, there was some opportunity to pray through that. And she knew how to pray against it and how to make different decisions. So um, these kinds of spiritual hindrances are very, very common. Okay, number six is ungodly behaviors, habits, or addictions, including unwanted thoughts and compulsions. This is a tough one, but also very common. In the previous teaching um, on the 10 open doors to the demonic, I mentioned at the end, you know, like how the enemy can turn almost anything into a permission for harassment. And, and when we get obsessed with something, and again, like my friend with the, the reading example, she just loved books. So that led to her being isolated. Our hobbies, our interests, they, they, they might not be wicked or bad in and of themselves. But what happens is the enemy can use almost anything. This is how deceptive and tricky and horrible he is. That we just started having this, this compulsion, like I must do this. And we start opting out of our lives. And um, we almost feel like, well, this thing, this activity by myself is more desirable. And um, and it, it it's a spectrum issue. Like we always think of addictions as being like the, the you know drugs and alcohol and gambling and porn and things that are horrible, awful, and at one end of the spectrum. But I've seen so many examples where the enemy can even use something innocent like hobbies, and you could just spend hours and hours doing this hobby apart from your family. And maybe even it hinders you from going to church and it hinders you from um, engaging with your children because you're always doing your hobby. Well, there might not even be anything wicked about the hobby, but the enemy, again, will use anything. And so he takes this thing and then uses it to develop over time into kind of an ungodly situation because you're opting out of some of the spiritual responsibilities that you have in your family or your local church or whatever. Um, and I was talking to a friend recently and she mentioned, she's a, she's a, a, it works in ministry at a, at a church. She's on staff and she was saying how she had noticed like there were so many women in her friend group that had gotten divorced, but that the roots of it came because they got obsessed with fitness. And I'm like, What? What are you talking about? She says, no, I'm serious. She says, I've had a number of friends, like the end path was divorce, but it all started was they got obsessed with fitness and then they met someone else through the fitness and that ended up eventually yada, 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 wrecking their marriage. And so here's an example where Satan can take a good thing, getting in shape, <laughs> And then if the person lets it become too much of an obsession, too much imbalance of a hobby, and then it could end up like wrecking their marriage. That's a pretty great scheme because it's taking a potentially good thing and then using it as a means of introducing an ungodly habit, behavior, or obsession. And um, I I was like, man, that that is so interesting to me. Um so, yeah, the, it's, um, yeah, we can talk about obsessions. We can talk about um, addictions. And those things are obviously a snare. And, um, you know, but I think that we need to also, in the regular everyday life, of take an inventory of what is it that I'm using my time and my money and, and my emotions what am I investing that in? Could that um, be getting too big? <laughs> is it going beyond what is healthy? And, um, you know, things that, that even just start as dabbling in something can grow toward a larger compulsion. So anyways, some things to, to consider. Number seven is... That's the seventh sign that you might be being harassed by demons is what I call shadow people and paranormal experiences. 
If people report to me that they regularly see what I call shadow people um, and they have paranormal experiences such as alien visitations or ghosts in their house or or some other kind of supernatural activity like um, disappearance of objects or strange things moving in their home or other strange manifestations, you are probably, you, you probably have company. You are, you are probably being harassed by demons. Um, and even if, and this is the thing, is that people are like, well, I haven't used a Ouija board since I was 13 years old. Why is this happening now? Again, if you're still having these experiences, it's usually because some permission was given at some point in the past and the enemy sometimes will persist in harassing you around that issue. They might even be sending you all the shameful messages that you did it, but they're still there harassing you. And um, every time I speak about this issue in public, people will write to me through email or they'll come up to me privately afterwards and they'll tell me how often they see shadow people, often from the time that they were children and that they still do. And that always brings the question for me, why don't we talk about this more in the church? There are a lot of people sitting in our pews, pastors, I know they're there, they write to me. There are people in your church right now who have paranormal experiences and see shadow people, weird things happen to them, and they do not know how to process it. They are being harassed by demons, and they need help to know how to how to fix this, because we don't need to continue in this. We don't need to put up with this. Um, so yeah, that's it's more common than you probably realize. All right, number eight. The final one is your Christian marriage to a decent spouse is falling apart. If And I'm not talking about an abusive spouse. I'm not talking about an abusive situation. I'm talking about you're married to a decent man, a decent woman. You know they're decent. I've got news for you. Satan wants your marriage to fail. Marriage is God's foundation for society. And study after study bears this out. But here's some real talk. Demons will bombard you with all kinds of thoughts and lies about your spouse. In fact, it says it like this in John chapter 8. Jesus says this, he's talking to the Jews in this context um, that they're unable to hear what he has to say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. There's that death theme again, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. And when he, he, when he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is a lying liar, okay? He lies all the time. And let me tell you, his demons are will send you lies. That's their native language about your spouse because they are very busy trying to deceive you into believing lies about your husband or wife. But you know in your heart is a decent person. But those demons want to undermine your affections, your trust, uh, and and even try to persuade you to violate your marriage commitment. Okay, they will send you messages to your mind. Oh, look, he's overlooking me and she's doing this and I don't like that. And he doesn't turn out the light the right way and she doesn't load the dishwasher the right way. These are petty lies. The enemy wants to steal your affection to, away from your spouse by sending, sending these lies. Why? Because... Satan's agenda is for you to destroy your family. That is his agenda. And he will send you every lie possible to get you to do it, to use your free will, to come into agreement with those lies and then act accordingly. They will do everything and anything to bring stress and ultimately destruction to your family. So that's it. Those are my eight signs that you are being potentially being demonically harassed. I hope that you found this helpful in the third installment in this teaching series. I'm going to be talking about um, 
just some of the steps that you can take toward freedom, getting increased freedom in your life. And um, I think I might do it maybe in August or September. This is kind of the periodic series that I do as I have time. But again, determining whether these signs, these symptoms actually have a demonic cause or connection, it does require, I think, a lot of curiosity, investigation, questions, discernment, and sometimes it requires to keep pressing in and keep staying in that conversation with the Lord. And again, I want to emphasize, as I've emphasized repeatedly through this talk, um, don't assume every problem has a demonic cause, but also don't assume that every problem has a natural explanation. Sometimes it's a combination of the two. So in the meantime, uh, as you're waiting for the next teaching, I could commend to you Carl Payne's book, Spiritual Warfare. Maybe you want to check out some of uh, Chuck Kraft's books as well. Another good resource is uh, Neil Anderson, has some good material, um, very biblical, used to be a faculty member at Talbot. Uh, these are great introductions to the topic. And again, you can listen back also to the interview that I did with Carl Payne back in um, June of 2022. Well, I hope you found the teaching helpful. Please, again, share it with a pastor or a friend who might need this information and can benefit from it. Good afternoon, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the Theology Mom podcast and add your review. You can also follow Krista at Theology Mom on Facebook and YouTube. Join Krista for more theology adventures on the All The Things Show, co-hosted with Monique Dusan. Thanks for listening.